everyone, I'm Rachel here with Ari and we're your hosts for the Merry Writer podcast. This week we're on episode 190 and we're joined by a guest as we ask, how can you create a professional author website? Before we dive into the topic, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening if you haven't already. And if you enjoy the show, please share it with friends and feel free to write a review. Now, please help us welcome Pauline Wiles to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. It's really glad to have you on the show. Great to be here. Hello, both. Thank you. Sorry. It's always us that ends up making a big mess of these podcasts, I tell you. <laughs> Before we go further, we would just like to ask you to tell everyone why you chose to discuss author website design as a topic. Yeah, well, I'm an indie author turned website designer. So I figured out that I'm much more excited playing with people's websites than actually writing my books. Um, and so I spend a lot of time looking at author websites. I have plenty to say on the matter. And generally speaking, I think uh, some authors feel that a website is much harder than it actually needs to be. So happy to talk about it. That's true. I feel like if you don't know much about website design or anything, pertaining to websites, then yeah, everything is a little bit intimidating. I'm really looking forward to having this discussion with you because I know for a fact that my website could use some tweaking. So this is going to be fun. With that said, I'm just going to roll right into it and ask you, what are the most important elements that go into creating an author website? Mm. Well, the stage that many authors skip is thinking about what's your overall purpose of the website. So what's your website strategy? And by that, I mean, depending where you are in your author career and what you're hoping to achieve with your books in general, your website might be there to help you sell one book or sell all of your future books. Um, maybe you're hoping to attract an agent or a book deal. Maybe you'd love to be invited to book clubs to talk about your book. Um, or you might even be taking a very long view and you're building an email list so that in future you can be in touch with your audience. Um, and sell books. So that's one part that gets overlooked. Um, and I guess then if we talk about what should go on the website, some of this is relatively obvious, although I think again, all this can get tangled up sometimes. Um, mainly your website should be showcasing your books or showcasing your, your work if you're still writing. So oftentimes that's going to be where can people buy your book? What have other readers said about the book? So that's so-called social proof of reviews and so on. Depending on the books, you might want to take readers deeper inside the process or behind the scenes or um, backstory or context. Your website also needs to give information about you, the author, and depending whether you write fiction or nonfiction, I give different advice on that. Um, Generally speaking, for non-fiction authors, you're going to need a bit more biographical information to kind of show your expertise and, and link you into your subject area. For fiction, you can definitely get away with less. Um, I know when I published my books, I don't think my readers were deeply invested in who I was. They just knew they liked the stories. Uh, so those are obvious things. Some authors want to include um, invitations to make it known that they're available for speaking. So book club visits, library visits, school visits, that kind of good stuff. Um, generally, you want a way for your readers to contact you. I do occasionally speak to authors who say, no, 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 I don't want my readers to be able to contact me. And <laughs> that always gives me pause. Um, and then 
something I'm very uh, keen that authors do is include a way for people to join an email list. So an email list, sign up form. That way you're not just selling one book, you're staying in touch for the future. Um, so I would say those are the most important things. Um, and then more optional items, depending on your overall strategy and what your marketing looks like. Um, some authors, of course, will have a blog. Some authors get heavily into search engine optimization, but that is probably a whole separate episode. So we shouldn't go there today. SEO was a big deep dive. I agree. I really like how you mentioned first and foremost that if you're going to have an author website, you need to have an overall strategy and figure out what the goal of the website is. Because I agree, I think that's something that's often overlooked. I started my website way back in 2012. And of course, at that time, I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew I want to be a writer and this is how I can get my writing out there. But I wasn't consistent. I didn't think anything of it. I just thought, hey, I'm on the internet. Therefore, people will find me and they'll instantly know what I'm doing. And that's not the case at all. And I also feel like that strategy can change over time. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I think we need to go easy on ourselves. Things were a little different back in 2012. Yeah, times have moved on and maybe we need to be a bit more intentional. Um, yeah, well, using myself as an example, I only ever really intended to write and publish one book. And then I did one and readers liked it. And I thought, oh, that was kind of fun. Maybe I'll do some more. So how you start out in your writer journey or your published author journey certainly isn't, um, you know, doesn't set in stone for how it's always going to be. And I think many authors get tripped up thinking the website is all about one book or this book. Um, and depending on your overall goals and your wishes for your writing life, you might actually want to take a much longer term view. I have to say the contact page, it always surprises me when people are like, no, no. And I think because so many people have the idea that they have to put their whole like email address there, which obviously we, I've always said like, that's not a good idea. If you can use a contact form, it's better. But like we're a podcast and we will sometimes like hunt out authors we want to to see on the podcast and you'll be like wow there this is great I'll speak to them no contact details can't get hold of them forever and it's like so obviously I appreciate you know you get spam and nobody wants to get spam but you miss out on opportunities from little podcasts like us who you you might not have realized were reaching out or wanted to reach out to you to bring you on and we couldn't get hold of you and it is quite strange and I I think sometimes because people have social media, they don't always think about websites and they don't think about contact. But let's be honest, if you try and DM people on social media, certain social medias, you have they you both have to be following each other for that even to work. And sometimes they just stop that altogether. So you're like, you can't get hold of them. Like you said, like if you wanted to invite them to do a, a talk at a school or a reading, a library. And I didn't even think about that. I mean, I do have a contact page, but I never thought, oh, yeah, you know, a library might be like, hey, come down here and do this. But yeah, it's it's you're, you're breaking the connection between you and the readers and you and the wider community by not having a contact page. It's like, no, nope, no, nope, just nothing. Here's my book. Go away. That's kind of how it feels. Yeah, definitely. I mean, none of us like to be spammed, but the truth of the matter is that for every 20 or 30 spammy messages, there'll be a nugget in there that... Um, that can lead to great things. Yeah, definitely. I also liked social proof. 
I never remember that. And I have seen it on some websites. They'll have the book and then they'll have like a carousel of, of um, reviews. And it does catch your eye. And yet it's that one thing that I never think of. I never think of testimonials. I never think of reviews. And yet it's quite an important one because you need that to sort of sort of draw readers in who might be unsure about whether they want to give your book a chance. Completely. And as authors, we sometimes forget that some of our best marketing material comes from the way that other people describe our work. So we might think that our best descriptions or our keywords or our blurbs should say, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then a reader will say, oh, I loved this book because and then they'll they'll give you lots of really good information and some some other ways of describing it. Um, and yeah, seeing what another reader has said about a book is fantastically helpful because as I'm sure you both will will advocate for our books aren't for everybody. Um, somebody once left a review saying that my one of my books um, read like a, a Hallmark movie. So for the British listeners, that's quite a cheesy um, naff kind of uh, romance story. And I was perfectly happy with that review because, yes, it was fluffy. It was light. And that's a really good guide that the people looking for serious literary fiction probably shouldn't be buying this book because they're not going to love it. So, yeah, putting putting on there what your readers have said about your work really helps um, identify and, and bring in other readers who will love it. I have to say, I actually don't even know if I've heard the term social proof before. I always just thought, you know, reviews. Maybe I didn't know about that term, but it is easy to forget even the good reviews and the ones that you're happy with. You're just like, oh, look at me. I did a thing. That's so great. And you don't think further into it. You're just like, wow, cool. This person liked my book. Great. I accomplished something and they were happy with it. Excellent. Let's move on. And it's just like, it's one of those afterthought things. Cause even as Ari said, I forget about reviews. I forget about testimonials. Like when I do my work, I just, I'm satisfied with it and I did a good job. And then it's like, okay, on to the next thing. Not even another thought. Yeah. And especially if you're a new author, you probably haven't won awards and you haven't got accolades and, and other um, trophies sitting uh sitting on your shelf. So it's really nice, even if you've just got some beta readers who have given good comments. Um, I think it does help give another perspective on the book. Yeah. That is really good to hear. I, I, I have two short stories out that are in anthologies. So they're with other people's stories. And that is good and bad. It's good because it was really nice to have these books out there and to be collaborating with other, other writers. But I unfortunately one of my one of the books my story was near the end and there's a few people where it's like did not finish because the first few stories they weren't that thing and it's like they didn't get to mine <laughs> and it was like what a shame um so thankfully there were some good reviews but that 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 kind of hit a little painful because it's like it wasn't a book where it was one story by one person it was multiple stories and you're thinking couldn't you have just stopped that one and moved on to the next and just carried on you might have really liked others and I never considered having beta readers share their thoughts in a, in a in a way. And it's like, yeah, of course, because they're the ones. Yes, they see the book early, and with a few errors and everything, but they get to talk about the parts that really caught them. That you know, it might be yes, the spelling was horrible. Yes, there were some continuity issues, but they might be like, oh my gosh, the way this world building was done, blah blah blah. 
and I have never thought of that, that I could reach out to my beta readers and say, could you share some like reviews of thoughts about the story? Okay, that's going on the list. Okay, I love about. it. And when you're doing that, if you can give them a little nudge to be specific. So instead of saying, I really enjoyed this book or, you know, great job, great story. If they can say something like, you know, the world, the world building really drew me in or something just a little bit more, um, more juicy than, than typical generic um, book praise. Beta readers often can be very kind. So um, I think pushing them for, for a specific context um, is ideal. That's brilliant. I will definitely do that. Seriously, I have literally just scribbled myself a note <laughs> to remind myself to do that. That's great. Um, so I'm going to move on to the next question, which is what are some common mistakes we need to avoid when we're doing website design? I firmly believe that the visual um, appeal and quality of your website will um, lead readers to draw conclusions about the quality of your book. Now, there are different communication mediums, but honestly, in today's world, if your website looks rubbish, then people might question whether you've done a professional job on your book. But it's okay. Authors can take a deep breath. Um, if you keep your website design really simple and ideally free of clutter, you will look like you know what you're doing and a lot more professional. And that has been a change in website design in recent years. So yeah, if your website was set up in, in 2012, it might be time to, to look at the overall layout. These days we're seeing um, much bigger images. So nice big book covers and not so many words on a website and not so much in the way of sidebars, other things the reader can do, other places to follow you. Um, layouts now are getting much cleaner. I think that's partly because um, attention spans are probably shorter than ever, um, but also with more people visiting websites on a phone, there just isn't as much room really on the page to have reams and reams of stuff. So if in doubt, just pair it back to the essentials that the reader needs to see. Um, that can serve you very well. And the overall principle, even though we say it's your website, your author website, really it's not about you, the author. It's about what the reader needs to see, either to persuade them to buy your book or to take whatever next step that you've decided is an ideal outcome from your website. So... Authors are very good at words. Uh, most authors, certainly my clients, when they give me words for the website, there are usually um, usually too many words there. And if you if you cut back on on all those words, you'll have a better result. I have to admit, I am a waffler, and as you are saying that, I'm thinking, yeah, there's so many of my pages that could do with a really good trim. I started my blog in my website in 2013. I was a bit later than Rachel. And it has gone through like four or five permutations. It's been through different themes. And I get I get annoyed easily and go, nope, don't like that anymore. I'll change it. Um, but it was it was first and foremost a blog. So it was informational yeah. and all that. And yeah. I didn't really think about it as a website until later. So that has been added in. But I, st I think I still look too much of it as a blog rather than a website with a blog and uh, now I don't mind my, my blog being wordy because that's what blogs are meant to be that's fine but I looking back at the pages I'm just thinking yeah they're they're very wordy 
because <laughs> I tend to do that. So that is something I need to add to my list, cut down and be a bit more clean with, with it. Yeah, well, absolutely. So, Back then, the blog was the driving thing. The website was the blog and a lot of homepages were simply the, the blog feed. Um, but these days, it's good to differentiate in your mind what is a blog post and what is a, a key page of the website. So homepage, book page, bio page. And those key pages, um, they're worth spending some time cleaning them up and um, going more for a minimal approach there. Yeah. Oh, I feel so called out right now because I ended up, I switched hosting like two years ago. So my 2012 blog is no more. And that was a huge mess. And the the website that I have now, it's much cleaner, but everything you're describing, I'm like, oh, I ramble on too. My, my pages are so, so long. And I actually recently redid a couple of the pages and I, I think I just added more paragraphs and words well worst case if you do have a lot of information on a page um bring some of your key points to the top make some of your key headlines bigger and then um fall back on your good friend bullet points for some of the other things that that will help structure a page so that a reader can at least get a sense of what's there that's a good idea. That is a really then, good idea. And then kill your darlings later. <laughs> the thing is, I was born in the 80s and I grew up with the internet in the 90s where it was all like tripod websites with green backgrounds and red text and graphics moving all over. So it was it was the thing to write lots and lots and lots of text. So it's that's my excuse. I, I'm I'm a child of the nineties that had that and can't it's hard to it's hard to get away. Obviously my website isn't green and red, just so you know. I never did that, but yeah. 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 Well, for a for a geek like me, it's kind of interesting to look back at how things have changed. And that's a great example of um yeah, things have things have really moved on since then. I vaguely remember those types of websites and they would have like the flashing text. Those, oh, those were so bad. Um, yes. And during oh, wow. winter time, it was very trendy to have falling snow coming down in the background of your blog. Yes. Yes. Oh, my gosh. That just unlocked a core memory right there. Right. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I also liked what you said about how your website is about your visitors and not you. And I think that's something that everybody needs to learn, including myself, because I think going back to the whole point about rambling, it's so easy to say, hey, I do this and I do that and I did this and I did that. And you're just showing off your skills and showing off how awesome you are. And you don't think about, it kind of goes back to the goal. Again, you don't think about your overall goal and what you want to accomplish with that website. And you're not really thinking about what your audience needs, what they need to get out of your website and so on. So yeah, that's something else that's great to think about too. Yeah, if you, I mean, as writers, we're creative people. We've we've probably got a lot of work. We're, we're proud of what we've created. I think if you need to have some secret pages on your website that are like a scrapbook of, of other things you've done, other things you're proud of, um, that's great. But you will get better results as an author if your main pages are very much focused on, on what the visitor really needs um, and not not your writer ego. Writer ego, that's a good one. 
which is it's ironic too because so many writers have imposter syndrome so it's like you have one or the other there's no in between (laughs) so once you have an idea of what to do for your website and your goals and all of that the next step is to create the website but in order to do that you gotta budget for it so what's the average cost of creating and keeping an author website Yeah, so I love that you ask um, those in two separate pieces because it is useful to think of of a different budget bucket, if you like, for the initial website setup and then your ongoing costs. I recommend that you come back to what your overall goals are um, and tune in a bit to what your personal preferences and skills and, and likes are because that's going to tell you certainly for setting up the website Is it something you plan to tackle yourself or realistically, are you just going to um, have nothing to do with it and and you're going to get some professional help for for those bits and pieces? So if you create a website on your own, then um, in monetary terms, that can basically be a free um, project. But of course, you will put the time in. You might have to learn some new skills. So there, I like to say to authors, there's always a cost. It's either time or money. Um, so in that case, you're paying with your time. Um, otherwise, if you do hire professional help, well, you can pay pretty much whatever your budget is. You can go up to um, $10,000 easily. Um, my custom website projects land somewhere in the middle there. And then keeping the website active, again, that can be a a whole range. And I warmly encourage authors, don't let budget be the thing that means you don't have a website. The the cheapest way I know of having a live author website is going to cost you about 31 US dollars a year. Um, There's a super simple platform out there called Card that I really like. So um, if anyone wants to look that up, it's card.co is the website address and they spell card with two R's. So C-A-R-R-D dot C-O. Um, and you can put together a really nice, simple um, little website using a tool like that for very little ongoing cost. Um, and then, of course, if you're going the WordPress um route or route you're going to need hosting so depending on your hosting deal somewhere in the region of 100 to 200 um, again us dollars a year or tools that are all in one like wix and squarespace will run you somewhere around um around the 200 dollar mark um each year for your website subscription And then I have to check in here and watch out for any hidden costs. So especially if you go the um, do-it-yourself option, tools like WordPress, um, probably when you both set up your website, I I had a website that came into being around about that time. WordPress was the only decent option. Um, But I like to say WordPress does need care and feeding, by which I mean um, backups, security patches, occasionally a widget or plugin will go wrong and you might be on the hook then for some troubleshooting help with that. And then it's a separate topic, but since we like to advocate for building an author email list, um, generally that's going to be an additional fee. There are tools that um, have pretty decent 
author email um, services on the free plan. So one of my favorites there is Mailer Light. If you want to look at a free email list option, um, I pay for ConvertKit and oftentimes your author email list will um, cost you a little bit more. But yeah, so the, the short answer really is there's a whole range um, and you can kind of pick where you want to land on that scale, depending on your your author career and uh, and how you love to spend your time. No, that's great, because I think a lot of times with the average cost, it's really I mean, it really is a wide range. Um, but when I first started my website, my original website in 2012, I didn't pay anything. I had the wordpress.com free version and I was like, this is so easy. And I just rolled with it. But now I'm self-hosted and I do pay for premium plugins and this, that, and the other thing. And I kind of wish I went through what I typically pay in a year for my website upkeep, but I didn't think of that before we started recording. So <laughs> I don't know how much I actually pay, but the costs do add up. And it gets to the point where if you're trying to do something to improve your website or you're trying to think of getting rid of something to add something else, the first thing I look at, I go to the pricing options and I'm like, can I really swing this right now or do I wait? You know, it's a difficult thing to... Um, it's a difficult thing to decide upon, but I do agree with you that don't let the cost deter you from creating an author website because as Ari and I have said in every single podcast episode, you should have an author website. Your readers need to find you. Your audience needs to find you. Yeah, I agree. Um, so it's a lot like what does it cost to self-publish a book? I mean, you can really pick your pick your point on that scale as well. Um, but yeah, not surprisingly, I'm I'm on board with the idea that authors should have a website. But I do think if if budget is the only thing stopping you, pair it right back, keep it really simple. You can have something um, for a very affordable amount of money. And then as you're as you get going with your writing, you can then make the decision: would you prefer to pay to have some of the technical headaches taken care of? Or are you going to actually give up some of your writing time in order to look after website issues? And that's a very personal decision depending on, on your author preferences. I'm just going to add in for a bad personal experience. Definitely be careful uh, about just going, oh, that's the cheapest. I'll have that. I uh, Years and years ago, when I first got my website, I, I think I lasted about a couple of years uh, on the wordpress.com. Um, URL and then I got myself a domain name and I went to a company and I got my domain name and I was very happy with it for several years and then it uh, expired and they wouldn't take uh, I tried to pay and it nothing happened thankfully they didn't take any money off me I, I had to pay manually each time I didn't have it automatically and the next minute my website was down for weeks and I spent so much time online trying to find out. And apparently the gentleman, because it was one guy who ran this website that had hosting and it had been fine for ages, but I think it had changed hands and it had gone from a group to one dude and he just vanished and I couldn't get that back. I ended up having to contact the the original hoster who had sold it to him and 
I, they were brilliant. I went through so many chats with them. I had to prove who I was. I had to prove that I had paid for it and that I had used it. And I had to pay extra for them to manage to take it back. And then I had to go with that. I actually was able to go with them and get the hosting, uh, the domain name directly through them rather than the third party, which I didn't know it was a third party. And it was such a mess and it cost me more money and time and effort. And again, I was younger and naive and I just went, oh, cheap, click. Don't do that because you lose so much in everything else. I was so stressed and it just went on for weeks. And at one point, I didn't think I was ever going to get it back. It got to that level. So, yeah, please don't do that. Yeah, that's awful. And if you've done the smart thing and you've put your website name in the back of all your books, it it is a major it's a major blow to lose your author website. So uh yeah great <laughs> great story Aria it sounds so painful that actually um what upset me was I am very careful with my branding so like whenever I do any social media whenever I do pins on Pinterest I always put my website because obviously some people will pin your graphic and they'll they'll sneak it attach it to a different link you get a lot of that sneakiness whereas if somebody was wanted to read your article or or visit your book and they have the website on the graphic, then it's great. It doesn't matter what some idiot linked it to. They can just go to it. And when it got to the point where it's like, well, well, you could just get another one. It's like, there are so many pictures out there and social media and all my links. And I have done interviews and blog posts on so many websites. I don't want to have to go back going, could you please change that? Could, could you change that to author at the end? Could you change that to author, Ari Megan? Could you change that to something completely different? And Oh yeah, it, it. I didn't realize how bad that was going to be until it had been about four weeks in. And then it was like, yeah, you might have to get another one. And it was like, no, I don't want to do that. So yeah, that was upsetting. Yeah. And if you wouldn't mind, I'll throw in one more, one more word of caution. Um, any of your listeners who choose to work with a, a website designer to, to do an author website, make sure that you, the author, are the registered owner of the domain name. So website designers, you know, they change business, they can go out of business, they can retire. Um, I was even on social media and I saw a terrible story. The website designer had died and the author did not own their own domain name. So then, Ari, they were in a similar situation to you, um, you know, a very difficult and, and stressful time of trying to um, take back control of what really is a very valuable asset. That's it. I mean, I am not, um, you know, I have a couple of little stories out. I I couldn't imagine being like a, um, a, an author with a large catalogue behind me and a very detailed website that has all my stuff on and having to fight for that back. But I appreciate people have this idea of, well, it's complicated. If somebody else can just deal with everything, but you're totally right. No, you should at least have, be, you know, you should at least be the registered owner. Something where if something goes wrong, you can claim it back and you can, you know, they won't even talk to you like these hosting companies. They won't even talk to you if you're not the registered person. So you 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 automatically cut off from so much of it. Oh, yeah. Oh my gosh. So at, at least have a have one set of keys to the castle, even if somebody else looks after your castle day to day. <laughs> Make sure you have a spare set of keys. Oh, definitely. Speaking of like domain names and obviously sort of claiming things like that. Um, which is part I consider part of the author branding. How can websites help develop your author branding in more ways? 
Yeah, well, we um, we had a really good lead in then to this this angle that wherever you are online, whether it's social media posts or interviews you've done or the back of your books, your website then is your central reliable place that as long as you hang on to the rights to your domain name, um, readers will always be able to find you there. So I know you two have said this, social media will change, platforms come and go, you might change your email list provider, lots of things can change, but if you hang on to your website, then it's your central, um, I, I th like to think of it as the tree trunk of your author marketing. There's lots of branches and leaves and stuff, but the, the tree trunk remains solid and stable and you can rely on it. Um, and then of course the website has a wonderful opportunity to enforce the visual aspect of your brand. So when author clients come to me, one of my first questions is, do you love your book covers? If so, yes, great. We have a, a strong jumping off point now for your website design. And frankly, if you don't love your book covers, then you need to do something about that. Um, because yeah, you you want, if somebody's read the books, uh, read one of your books, comes to your website, we want them to, to get that you are the author they were looking for. There's that visual consistency. And if they haven't read your book, then the website gives really strong visual clues as to what they can expect from your writing. And then in terms of building um, connection with your readers and your community. So we already talked about including reviews and feedback from readers on your website. Um, if you're blogging, then if you're attracting blog comments, that's a great place to really solidify not just um, your outgoing message, but that connection with your, your readers as well. Um, and then I love a website as a good central place where hopefully people are signing up for your author email list um, and you're really starting to get critical mass from that permission to, to then send them email messages. I, I like how you use your, you tie in your book covers with the overall brand of the website. What would you suggest to someone who hasn't yet released their book or doesn't have a book cover yet, and but they want to start building their author brand as soon as possible? Yeah, so I say to authors in that position, as soon as you know what type of thing you're writing and for whom, you can start to build up a visual picture of what a website in that genre or for that type of writing um, might look like. Uh, so that can then be as simple as going and looking at the other book covers already published in the sort of field that you're writing in. And you might not be exactly sure yet what your what your precise genre is going to be, but you can get clues. So yesterday I was talking to a potential client. She's not yet published, but she's writing historical novels set in Texas so immediately I'm seeing there, okay, so her website needs to give that feel of historical fiction and the chances are that we can play on, you know, some of the, the big scenery, the, the big skies um, that we might see in a Texas setting. Um, so even without a book cover, we know within broad parameters, the visual direction her website could go. Other authors, I say to them, if you're really not sure, keep it keep it very clean and simple. You can do something very, very elegant and minimal. 
and then come in and, and tweak your colors and fonts later um, as things evolve. And in fact, at the other end of the spectrum, um, for very successful authors, especially those who are published in multiple countries, um, again, I geek out on how different book covers can look for the same book, but published in different markets. Um, so some big name authors, they in fact need to keep their whole website relatively neutral because there are so many different styles of book covers going on. Um, so really then the website becomes more of a blank canvas for the impressive body of work. And generally speaking at that point, they, um, they're, they're attracting fans based on, on their overall reach. Oh, wow. That's interesting. I haven't thought of any of that. I, when I started mine, I was like, I like the color blue. That's my favorite color. So that's you know, that is not. It. That is not a terrible place to start. Um, a lot of authors will, will naturally be drawn to um, to colors that will resonate with their ideal reader. So, oh, okay, great. Yeah, I mean, there, again, we could we could do a, a whole a deep dive into into color theory, and you won't be surprised to know there are fifty shades of blue, um, but. Yeah, you have to start, you have to start somewhere. And okay, if you're going to invest in professional website design, it's probably a good idea to to nail down some branding and a color palette. But if you're working on your website yourself, then you probably have the ability to um, adjust your colors later. Yeah. So many things to think about. Oh my gosh. <laughs> this is great. A list as well, haven't you? You're not I do, a list of I things. do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I mean, I, I have a, a habit of, of picking certain colors that I like. And then three months down the line, I like three other new colors. So I try to keep mine to just whites and blacks because I'm less likely to mess with it if I stick to white and black because they're so neutral, it makes things easier. But just sort of circling back around how you mentioned you had like, um, there are authors who have like multiple genres. What is your suggestion like to know regarding authors who have multiple like not just multiple genres if they write in different genres and use different pen names would you recommend multiple websites which obviously increases cost and mm -hmm. a lot more work but it allows for better branding or yeah. do you think everything should just be shoved mm -hmm. in one Okay, so the, the multiple websites question is a, a big one. It, it's a difficult one. What I say to authors there is, do you have the appetite and do you have the intention of running basically parallel marketing for everything you do? So are you having two social media accounts? Are you, you know, pen name one and pen name two? Um, you're sending two email newsletters. Is it essential that your readers have no idea that you are both both these authors. If you're really in that situation and you've got the appetite to, to be those two things, then yes, have two different websites. However, realistically, I mean, I don't know about you, but I can barely cope with one life, let alone, <laughs> let alone those two personalities. It becomes so much work to run two versions of all your author marketing. So for the case, um, I worked with a client recently. She writes book club fiction. And then, um, especially in summertime, she will sometimes write a romantic comedy. 
And we decided those are two different pen names, but it's not the end of the world if her readers know that she is the same person. So she has one main website for what she wants to focus on, which is her, her literary fiction. And then, yes, we have a page on the website that says she is also writing as, and then pen name. And we show the romantic comedies on that page. We're using slightly more upbeat, kind of fun and flirty colors. Um, and she she was very happy with that decision because it was just exhausting for her to be to be running these these two separate marketing personalities. Yeah, I can imagine it's like as you said, just one and then one set of social media. I mean, we I was on several social medias and I was just like, yeah, I'm cutting that down to literally Instagram and Facebook. And I barely use Facebook; it's mm -hmm. just Instagram. I couldn't imagine having multiple social medias multiple newsletters and multiple websites but it, it was like how would you sort of gel them together I like the idea of having a separate page for maybe the the, the, the series or the genre that's maybe not as dominant yeah. and then as you said you could brand that specifically mm -hmm. to that so yeah that's actually a good point okay good yeah to know. I mean I think most authors struggle to keep up with quotes marketing um overall um and and biting off kind of double the work unless I mean unless you've got very strong reasons um for sanity then I have to caution against it yeah we are really picking your brain today and I don't know whether to apologize or not but I really appreciate that you have solid answers for everything that we're throwing at you with examples this is great. <laughs> uh, I'm loving it. As, as I said earlier, I can <laughs> I can talk at length about this stuff. So I'm having a great time. No, this, I mean, this is awesome. Um, I'm just gonna, I gotta ask now that we've gotten all of that under our belt and we have the, the design and color schemes and all of that fun stuff, how often should authors keep their websites updated? Okay, well... Um, not naming names here, but if you created your author website more than about 10 years ago, um, then it probably is time for a refresh and some spring it cleaning. Is. It <laughs> is. <laughs> um, but that said, so the ideal pattern is going to depend on what you've got going on in general. So if you're blogging, then obviously every time you write a blog post, you're effectively updating your author website. Otherwise, if you've got um, events going on or you're releasing an audio book, um, you're visiting schools or book clubs or you've, you've got things worth talking about, then it makes sense that those go on your website as a piece of news, either on a dedicated events page or, or your blog about that thing. Um, and if you're not particularly active with um, things happening month after month, then at least think about your book release schedule. So, you know, if you're on rapid release, you've got things happening every few months. If you're taking um, three, four, five years to write, you know, write your, uh, your masterpiece, then your book release schedule, of course, is much more spaced out. But around that schedule, you can think about you know, announcing a title, um, cover reveal, um, pre-orders available, um, obviously book launch. And then as, as reviews come in, we talked about that earlier. Don't forget to circle back round and add, um, add the reactions to the new release. 
And then um, several of my authors, a few months after that, an audio book might follow. So you can definitely use a book release as the as the prompt for for a good time to update the website. Um, so yeah, lots of lots of different options. Um, you won't be surprised to know that my website gets attention fairly frequently. It sounds like both of you are probably um, uh, adjusting and improving your website on an ongoing basis. Um, but not all authors have the bandwidth for that. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of biting off what you can chew and no more than that. Well, I have a bad habit of biting off more than I can chew. <laughs> <laughs> But I think that's why I enjoy having a blog so much is because I can get consistent content up, even if it's just something, well, I mean, with the podcast episodes, I'm uploading it once a week. So it looks like I'm active, even though it technically doesn't have anything to do with my books. I'm still present, I guess you could say. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that work, that works great. If that's a, a, a reasonable and sensible pattern, obviously with, with the podcast and so on, you've, you've got a lot going on. It, it's worth making sure the website reflects all that. Yeah. I have to say, I, I definitely think the authors, they seem to forget that certain things need to be updated. I have been on websites where I've been in, interested in the series and I'm maybe on book two and I'm looking for book three. And then I've gone on, on, on their website and it's literally still showing book two coming soon it's like it came out like months ago and I've I'm on book three and this isn't making me feel better and I I, I am a big website person if I like an author the first place I check is their website not their social media mm. it's their website it's that nice chunky I want to know what's going on and yeah maybe, maybe I'm the only person who does that and everyone else goes to their Instagram first but I like that. And it really makes me feel a bit like mm, if you're not putting that much effort into even keep the, the sales page that's telling you about your books, then what are you not keeping updated with? Like maybe your about page still says you're in college and you graduated four years ago. You know, it's like, oh, I'm 28. It's like, are you 28 or are you, you know, pushing into your 35, 40 now? <laughs> it's like, and it, I don't know, it just, it does make you feel a bit like mm, I'm not as impressed if you're if I if I can see really obviously that you've missed something as yeah. big as not putting a book on yeah and I think that can happen um certainly I mean I, I would hope most authors have a, a checklist of things to do when a new when a new book is coming um but also if you're not confident updating your your own author website it can feel really scary to make those changes so um, I'm a huge fan of authors being at least comfortable enough with how to go in there and change coming soon to now available um, little changes like that, because you're right. For most of us, the website should be the best um, source of truth about our work and up to date is is definitely something to aim for. I think also, I can't speak for anybody, and I don't know, this could just be a me thought, I have no idea, but I also wonder if some people hire a website designer or an admin person to maintain their website for maybe a year or so, and then once that contract is up, they don't renew it, and then their website just becomes stalemate, because I actually did come across an author website just the other day where big letters on the homepage, it said their new book will be available spring 2022. 
and I was like, oh, that's <laughs> that's not nice to see in big letters right there when it's been almost two years since then. And I just wonder if people like they have somebody else doing it. So it's not a thought in their mind. And then when that person is no longer maintaining the website, it's still out of sight, out of mind. Yeah. I mean, that, that really shoots you in the foot to, to have something quite that obvious. Um, I think these days, um, there's a lot, I mean, you you both have talked about this. There's a lot of hype and talk about authors need to be on social media and make sure you're posting here, there and everywhere. We tend to forget that our website is such a strong asset and yes, it's easy to neglect it, but if you put something in your in your calendar every month or every two months, hey, just check out your main website pages and see if anything needs to be refreshed. Um, then really your your best secret weapon is sitting there right there ready to be used and maybe all that time that you're stressing about what to post on social media um, just spending a few minutes of that looking at your website would be better that actually makes me feel a lot better because (laughs) Ari and I were just complaining before we started recording about how we're like we're so sick of social media we don't want to do it anymore (laughs) So that actually makes me feel really good. Put more focus (laughs) on the website and everything else can be extra almost. Because we know that anything you post on social media, um, depending on the platform, it's basically gone within either hours or days or weeks if you're lucky. Whereas your good old solid reliable website, that is there um, and you know it's not going anywhere. So I think at least having your your basics um, updated and looking good is is well worth it. Well, that's it. It's like I don't want to have to go on a website, see coming soon 2020, 2022, and then have to go and hunt to see if that book even came out. And certain platforms, like I said, I am on Instagram now. I don't know if it's changed, but I remember it used to be in chronological order, and then it started sending things to your feed that were just more popular and things like that so you could be getting things popping up that weren't the most up-to-date information from that author anyway and so it's not even that helpful whereas as you said having a single central hub where everything is there and it it doesn't take much even just to go on and go oh yeah I need to do that I'll write that down and make a note to do it on Tuesday and then I'll come back on Thursday and fix that you don't have to fix everything all at once and I think that people get into that don't they They think they have to do it all at once oh we we do definitely we we see this massive great um project um whereas in fact bite-sized pieces homepage first book page bio page um if you look after your homepage your book page and your bio page um you're going to be in pretty good shape Ari, write that down. I was just thinking, I have not checked my about page and my book page for a while, so I need to do that. Yeah, well, the about page is funny because bios do go out of date. Um, you know, authors will will cheerfully write on there, oh, and I live in, you know, the south of England with my cat and my eight-year-old son. And when you check back, the son is now actually 14, 15, 24, 25 um, so I learned the hard way on a on a bio to say I moved to California in 2004 instead of saying I've lived in California for six years because six years rapidly becomes 
16 years when you're when you're not looking oh yeah that's that's that is true it's funny how we do automatically think yeah I'll put, I, i'm a you know a 30 odd year old or 40 odd year old writer and it's like yeah but that will change you don't need to tell people certain things especially if it's going to go out of date quickly yes. and then you're going to have to go in and amend it all the time yeah so... try try and craft a bio that doesn't um doesn't immediately go out of date the day after you finish writing it well then I have a whole lot to think about Pauline it really has been a pleasure having you on the show I've learned a lot and I'm sure our listeners have learned a lot as well so before we go would you like to share something about yourself with our listeners yeah, thank you so much for the conversation. Uh, yes, I'm Pauline Wiles. I wrote and self-published six books before I discovered that I actually um, loved updating my website more than writing the books. So I'm now a full-time web- website designer. I specialize in helping authors. Um, and yes, my accent is a little messed up because I moved from um, London, England to the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, happily settled now, but also uh, trying to keep a foot in both countries. So yeah, thank you both. Great conversation. Well, thank you so much. It really was a great conversation and it was a pleasure meeting you. So thank you again for joining us on the podcast and all of Pauline's links will be in the description below. So please do go check out her work. In the meantime, we will turn it over to you guys. Do you have an author website yet? And if so, how did you go about it? And is it updated? And what's the color scheme? And answer all the questions and make sure you let us know all of your notes in the comments so we can chat about it. And remember, we do release a new episode every Wednesday. Next week, we're discussing info dumping and how to avoid it. To ensure you don't miss it, hit the subscribe button on your way out. As always, thanks for listening to the Merry Writer podcast. We'll see you guys next week. This podcast is brought to you by Stuffed Bookshelves. Our TBR piles are huge. The music titled Inspired is by Kevin McLeod, licensed under Creative Commons 4.0.